So I get the uh, pleasure to introduce our speaker today, which is really, really awesome. So uh, for any of you guys that know, I'm a huge Beatles fan. So I used to have four people that were my favorite people from England. Now I got five. I got jo uh, John, Paul, George, Ringo, and now Dennis. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, is a, he has got a wonderful message, and uh, he's got a heart for Jesus, and he's got a heart for missions, and that is the, uh, the really good thing. I, I spent the last uh, two nights listening to him, and one night he spoke on passion, and one night he spoke on power. <coughs> and... Uh, on Friday night, we got to come forward and kind of kneel together, not just as church leaders or, or, or people who work in church, but, but as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I, and I told him last night, I said, uh, you know, I don't really have anything uh, that I thought, um, you know, that I, I felt like praying about. But I said, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to kneel. I just feel like, you know, that's something that I needed to do. And uh, God put something on my heart. And, uh, you know, we talk about, you know, us going through things and not having pastors and uh, you know, you kind of get in this mode of let's get this stuff done. And uh, God kind of reminded me, you know, the passion that you need is this is why you do it. And, and reaching out to people who who don't uh, who don't get to come to church. It's, it's reaching out to people out there. And that's your passion. And that's what's going on. So everybody give a warm welcome to Mr. Dennis Peathers. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good morning. Oh, that's good. There are people here. That's great. Well, I'll just drop something on the floor there. It's good to be with you. My name is Dennis, as was said, and uh, as you can tell, I speak uh, English. Um, kind of like you speak it, but a little differently. Um, yeah, it's funny because uh, we, we, just, we, say, we speak a little quicker where I come from, and we, we pronounce our words a little differently, and uh, of course, we do it correctly. You understand that? People often say to me, man, y'all say that different. And I say, no, we don't say it different. We just say it correctly. Because, uh, you know, it started with us, so we got the language. I'm just kidding with you. Uh, but it's great to be with you. Um, it really is. And Jim from, from the association, he's invited me here for a few days. We, as, as was said, I spoke last night and the night before. And, uh, and tomorrow I'm speaking at a, a, a meeting for pastors from across the state, pretty much. And then tomorrow evening at the association gathering, to which I think you're all invited to come if you'd like to. Uh, come and hear some more proper English. Uh, but uh, I'm going to share with you in a little while uh, something which I pray will challenge you. I don't know how you've come to church this morning, whether you've come just to sit here and enjoy it, or whether you've come to meet God and encounter the living, powerful God who can change our lives. I don't know why you're here. Maybe it's just what you do. Uh, maybe it's because you've come expecting something. I don't know. But uh, I pray that God will do something in each of us this morning. It will make a difference. Uh, that will change the world in which we live. Do you believe that God can change the world through you? Well, some of you do. That's good. He can, can't he? He really can. In fact, he, he is already. But he could do it some more. I'm going to talk just for a little bit about what I do and the ministry that God has called me to and some of the partnership connections with the, the association and maybe even with you uh, as a church. Uh, we, I, I lead a ministry called The Rooftop, and in a little while, when I preach, I'll actually speak from a passage in the Bible where our ministry comes from. It's all about what happened on a rooftop. Uh, and, and, and what we do is we work with churches all around the world. Um, I come from England, as, as was said, and, and people often say, I'll come visit you all in England, but the problem is I'm not very often in England. I'm always somewhere else. Uh, we work literally all around the world. I was just in Latin America for the last few weeks, so a few weeks ago before coming back to here. Before that, I was in Africa, and we're also across Europe, um, also beginning to look now into moving into Asia as well. And what we're doing uh, in all those different places all around the world is we're actually helping churches and groups of churches to, to reach people that are beyond the walls of the church. Because, you know, people just don't do church like they used to, do they? Have you noticed that? Have you seen it? It's tragic, isn't it, really? Where I live in England, you know, 100 years ago, 94% of people were in church regularly 100 years ago in England. 94%. Now, it's about 4%. And that's probably being optimistic. Uh, that, that's how it is. People are growing up in my country. They don't even know they don't know Jesus. They have no idea at all who Jesus even is um, and don't even care. They don't even care enough to care, if you know what I mean. They don't even care about it. It's not even in their minds at all. And isn't that tragic? You know, we meet together in this place to worship Jesus, and we've just sung some amazing songs in different styles. It's funny for me, because in, in, in England, where I live, we don't sing some of these styles that you sing. Since Jesus, I love that. We just don't do it. So I love it. Thank you for doing it. And I'm a fifth member of the Beatles now. I feel really honored by that. She loves you, yeah, 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 and all that stuff. So um, 
I don't really sing those songs, but, uh, but you know, where I live, it, it's a tragedy that, that most people growing up in my country now don't even know that God loves them and don't even care enough to find out because no one's ever told them. That's just the truth. That's how it is. And that's not just in England. It's happening in the United States of America too. It's happening across Africa. It's happening across Asia. It's happening across Latin America. People are growing up in a very different world from the one that perhaps many of us grew up in. Uh, and, and so our ministry, The Rooftop, is all about helping churches to reach people who are beyond the walls. In fact, the very people that Jesus came to reach, because that's where he spent his time, wasn't it? He spent his time with people who were outside, people that were beyond. And we're doing that in a number of countries around the world. And uh, we're, we're in, in 2020, we're planning a, a huge global event on the 10th of October 2020, which is just uh, not even a couple of years away now, we're planning in 100 countries around the world for churches to go to rooftops, hilltops, higher places, look across their community and say, Jesus, how do we join you in your mission? And you could be a part of that. We're one of the cities in, from all over the world, one of the cities that we're, we're looking to do that in is actually Cincinnati, which is not far from here, is it, really? And uh, not just the city itself, but all the towns around it as well. So if you wanted to get connected with that, then you can, because uh, it's something we're we're looking to partner in. And in, in terms of uh, other stuff I've got with me, I've just I've got a book with me called The Rooftop. I call it The Rooftop, A Crisis of Opportunity. Or opportunity, I think you say it, don't you? Um, which is looking at how what's happening in the world, how everything's changing. We might see it as a great challenge. People are not coming to church anymore, all those things. But actually, I see it as a great opportunity for us to really join Jesus in his mission and take the gospel to people who are not coming to the church. That's how it's always should have been. You know, we're Baptists. That's how the Baptist movement started. They didn't wait for people to come. They went and found them. That's how it always should have been. So that book, if it's a... They're $10 each, if you want two. It's $20. I mean, it's a, we're In England, we're pretty simple people. The math is very simple. So I've got... I've also got a couple of other things with me um, I just want to mention. A lot of people as I travel, um, they like to connect with what we're doing. Um, I have many people around the world that pray for me and people that support what we do too. We're, we're a faith-based organization. We don't have a church or anything behind us as such. We have partner churches, partner individuals that support us in what we do. And if you felt you could pray for us and help in that kind of way, then we've got a couple of little things. One is one that you can use to connect with me as, as I do what I do. And the other one uh, helps you to connect, if I can pick it up. There it is, with our ministry at the rooftop. So please come and chat with us. We've got a table at the back. Uh, Marion and Vicky, who are sitting right at the front here, they're, they're very close friends of mine. But more than that, we work together very closely on the rooftop, uh, but certainly based here in the U.S. So they'll be at the stand. Please go chat with them and find out more about the kind of things that we do. A um, couple of other things. We're, we're actually planning something which has got two parts to it. One, one of the things I find as I travel around the world is there are many church leaders who who are struggling to know how to lead churches in the world in which we live today. Let me explain what I mean by that. So many people now are beyond the walls of the church, and they're not going to come along and listen to people preach. <laughs> they don't come to church. I was speaking to a lady after the first service this morning who came up to me, and she was t talking to me at, this, at our table, and she said, you're right, should I, should I invite people to church? They just don't want to come. They don't want to come to church and listen to someone preaching sermons and, and all that kind of thing. So how do we reach them? And the answer is we've got to recognize that we've got to go to them. We can't just invite them to, to come to this. And what I find is many leaders, uh, church leaders, they, they don't know how to equip us to really reach the people that are beyond the walls of the church. You know, and I think so often, I'm not talking about this church, because obviously this is Burlington Baptist Church. I'm talking about all the other ones. Um, you know, we're constantly being told, you should be doing this, you should be doing this. But no one's actually helping us to know how to do it. And so I'm running this process called Joining Jesus, which is to help leaders to become equipped to equip people so they can actually do it, rather than just keep being told they can do it. So if you're a church leader and you're interested in that, we're doing it in partnership with the association. We've got some, uh, a sign-up sheet about that at the back there. But also something else we're planning, which is kind of linked to that, is in September this year, um, we're, we're planning to have a, a, a trip to London from this area, people to come from here to London where I am and we're putting together a whole process of things that you can do where you can come on what you guys tend to call a mission trip but it's a mission trip with a difference a lot of mission trips I've seen churches in America go on they go to the place they do their thing they have a great time they come back and then they forget everything they learned and come back and do what they were doing before they went in this this, this thing that we're planning the, the key to it is come do things and learn but then look at how we can help you apply what you've learned in the UK which is so far from God 
how you can come back and actually put that into practice here where you are. Otherwise, you've missed the whole opportunity. <laughs> you've learned stuff, but never actually learned what to do with it when you get back. So there's all sorts of things happening. And uh, if you want to find out more, just come chat with us at the end, and we, we, we can tell you more. One last little thing. I'm just starting a podcast in a few weeks. If you're a podcast listener, uh, I'm going to be in my podcast called Joining Jesus. I'll be meeting people that I meet from all around the world and finding out how it is that they're joining Jesus in his mission. And they're people in all sorts of different circumstances. And they'll just share what they're doing. And then I'll tease out from them, okay, how could that help you do what you're doing with your place? So come and chat with me about that at the end as well. Um, I want to speak in a little while. I want to challenge you this morning. Is that okay? <laughs> Let's just try that one again. I want to challenge you this morning. Is that, is that okay? Well, that's good. That's 18 or 19 people want to be challenged. Um, but, and, and I'm going to actually, I'm, I'll tell you now, I'm going to give you an, an opportunity to respond as well this morning. I want to say that at the beginning rather than wait until the end. Uh, you know, often we, we invite people to come to faith in Christ and we say, come respond. And, and once we've done that, then that's the last time we ever respond. But as I look at what Jesus did and how he called his disciples to follow him, they were constantly being challenged to take another step, to go deeper, to go further. And so this morning, I'm going to be challenging people here, you, you may have been a Christian for one year, 10 years, or 50 years, or even more. But I don't think the challenge ever stops. I think God is still asking us to, to move forward, to take steps forward. So I'm going to be encouraging all of you this morning to make a, de- a decision to step forward in your following of Jesus. And I'll explain that, that at the end. I'm going to read God's Word in a little while, but I thought it might be useful, um, before I do that, just to give you a bit of a, an introduction into what I want to say. I, I'm, I'm going to be brief. As you can see, I'm only a short speaker. Um, that's not that funny really is it I don't know why I say that um, but, but I want to just give you a bit of an introduction into kind of who I am and, and, and really how God has got me to this place I'll do it quickly but that will then give you a, an understanding of the ministry that I'm going to talk about and, and how we can join Jesus in it a bit later on as I said I come from London, England just to the east side of London um, it's a, in England we have these huge council housing estates it's like your public housing that's where I, that's where I, I was born in one of those places my dad left home when I was a few weeks old, so I didn't know him. I just a mum and an older brother. We didn't do church. We didn't know we didn't do church. We just didn't do it. We didn't care we didn't do it because we didn't know anybody who did it. It just wasn't what we did. We weren't unchurched. We were never churched. Because you call someone unchurched, it's a bit like they're saying they kind of think they should be in. Well, we didn't know anything about church, and we didn't want to know anything about church. We didn't want to know or not want to know. We just didn't know. Do you understand what I mean? We didn't know that we didn't know. And we didn't care that we didn't know, and we didn't know that we didn't care. We just didn't, yeah, church. <laughs> I don't know, you understand me, yeah. That's what we were like. And, uh, and I, so I grew up, when I was about 15, 16, I got into atheism and stuff like that, because most people in England think that's intelligent. If, if you live in Europe and you're intelligent, you don't believe in God. That's how people think. Um, if you're a little bit slow, <laughs> then maybe you do, because you're not very intelligent. Or maybe you're not very, very strong, so you, you, know, you kind of need a bit of a, something to lean on, so you believe in God. That's the way most European people tend to think now. And it's happening in America too. That same thing is happening here as well. Uh, when I was 15, I was pretty convinced atheist. When I was 19, I, I started working in London. and uh, In fact, I was, when I was 18. But I worked in a place called Lloyd's of London, the insurance centre of the world. Because we still believe that London is the centre of the world. Just don't mind us, we're harmless. Um, and one day my boss came into work and he put a book on the table in front of me it was called Mere Christianity written by a man called C.S. Lewis and he said you should read this book and I thought why would I want to read a book with Christianity in the title I'm just not interested in it it's religious because that's how I thought about Christians they were religious and I wasn't religious so I thought why you know if it had been a book about football or soccer as you call it but we call it football in England you know soccer because there's a foot and there's a ball in America you call it football we can't work that out because people keep throwing it. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. But, so I, but, but anyway, he asked me to read this book, and I, I, and I didn't want it, but I read it eventually because he was my boss, and bonus time was coming up, and I thought if I read the book, I might get a bigger bonus and all that stuff. And, and over eight months, I read about Jesus and about God, and this is what happened. My, my, my mind began to change. I, I realized that it takes faith to believe there isn't a God as much as it does to believe there is one. And then slowly... I wish I had more time to tell you this, but slowly I reached that place where I understood, okay, there is a God, but how do you know God? And, and then I read about Jesus. Now, you know Jesus, don't you? Yeah? 
I guess everybody in here, there's quite a lot of people here, but most of you, all of you probably know Jesus. I didn't know anything about Jesus. Can you believe that? I didn't know anything. I just, all I knew was that he was religious. That's all I knew about him. And we had priests in England that wear gowns and things, and I thought Jesus was like one of them. I just thought he was a priest. That, that's how I thought about Jesus, really. I didn't know anything about him. And what, what happened to me, and I guess the reason I'm standing here, I was 19 years of age when I became a Christian, just so you know that. So as you can see, that was about five or six years ago. Now, why are you laughing so much when I say that? <laughs> you laugh more at that than the other thing I said. That's not fair, is it? Um, um, well, well, when I read about Jesus, what happened as I was sitting, I used to read it about him on a train going to and from work with the front cover of the book turned over because I didn't want people to see I was reading a religious book. What I read about Jesus absolutely changed the whole of my life. And I guess Jesus has changed the whole of your life. That was a few less people than before. There's no trick. It's just a question. Has he changed the whole of your life? Everything? Do you love him? Passionately? Because that's what happened to me. I'm not saying, I don't know about you. I've never met you before. You've not met me before. That's what happened to me. See, here's where I come from. I didn't know anything about this stuff. And I thought that if you're going to get to know God, you probably have to be really, really perfect and really, really boring. That's what I thought. Because when I thought about religion, I thought that's what people were like. All they ever spent their time doing was saying, you mustn't do this or that or anything, especially if it's fun. Don't do it. That's how I saw religion. It was like a whole list of all the things you don't ever do. And the more fun they are, the less likely you are to do them. That's how I saw it, really. And then I read about Jesus. Now, you know about Jesus. I didn't know. As I said, I just thought he was probably a priest or something. And when I read what he did, you know this. I didn't know it. It absolutely changed the whole of my being as a person because I realized this most amazing truth. And it is amazing. And it's this. The way that we can know God and live forever. We've already sung about this this morning in all different ways. The way that we can know God and live forever is because of the most remarkable truth in the whole of the universe, and it's this, that God himself, the God who made the universe, the God who is all-powerful, almighty, all-everything, this God who is infinitely everything that there could ever be, this God made himself nothing and became a person. And when he was a person, he was born and placed in a feeding trough, and then he grew up and he was cut to pieces, shred, cursed, abused, killed, put on a cross, hung there with nails, and this is God dying on a cross for people. And when I read about that, not knowing it, I thought, can this possibly be true? This is amazing. Would God do this for people? This is God? And what struck me was that he had done it. This is what he had done. He had actually, God had died to take the blame. Hear that again. God had died. Can you hear that? God had died to take the blame for everything I'd ever done wrong so I could know God. Isn't that amazing? Let me ask you that again. Isn't that amazing? Just think about it. I know we know it, but just put that on one side and then know it for the first time. Isn't that amazing? God died for people. God died for people. God died for me and God died for you. Isn't that amazing? And I thought, I need to do something about this. So sitting on a train one day when I was 19, packed full of people, I decided to... Well, I didn't even know what I was doing. I didn't even know what becoming a Christian was. I didn't know what Christians were. So I decided just to... I don't know. I just said to God... God, here's my life, do what you want with it. That was it. I didn't know any prayer to pray. Didn't even say amen to let God know I'd finished. I just said that. But I'm, not, I'm not even sure we should say amen at the end of our prayers because our prayers should never finish, should they? Perhaps we should never use that word. Just keep on doing it. Keep on being changed. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. And when I said those words to God sitting on a, a crowded train in London when I was 19 years of age, I felt different inside. I felt like I was being washed on the inside. Have you ever had that experience? Like I was, I didn't, and I didn't even know I was dirty before. I didn't confess any sin, really, at that point. I didn't know I had to. I just said, God, here's my life. And I felt like I was being made into a different person. And I wanted the whole world to hear about Jesus. I thought the person on the train next to me was going to say, my, have you just become a Christian? But he didn't. <laughs> um, but I just wanted the whole world to hear. Because, you know, it's something... The gospel means good news. And let me tell you something about the good news. It is really, really, really good. It's actually absurdly good. It's recklessly good. It's ridiculously good, isn't it? Because it actually says this, that we deserve death and punishment, but we receive a gift of life and eternity. That is good news. 
And that good news struck me, and I thought the whole world needs to hear this great news. And I wanted everyone, now if I had time I could tell you about my family and all that went on with them when I went back home and told them I'd become a Christian and all that. I haven't got time for that this morning, so I want to get to God's word. But, but that change in me led me to think, now what do I do now? So I decided one thing I had to do was go to church. Because I knew enough to know that church and religion were kind of connected. That's how I thought about it. I didn't know where to go, so I went for a walk around where I live to try and find one. Now in England we walk places. In America you never walk. You just drive everywhere. Now, I bet if there was a road in here, you'd drive here until you see. I bet you would. Um, but anyway, we don't. In England, we walk. You know, we think two legs will walk, so we, okay, we walk places. So I went for a walk around uh, where I live, and I found a, a, an Anglican church. It's kind of our, our state religion is the Anglican church, and I thought, shall I go there? Because I didn't know where to go. I had no idea. You can't believe this, can you? Can you imagine not knowing even what a church is? That's what I was like. And the Anglican church near where I lived, it, it was old, I mean, really old. It had deep, thick walls. And it was surrounded by gravestones and tombs and things. And, and, and they were, some of them were all slanted because they'd been there a long time. And it was a bit gruesome. It looked like a horror movie, really. And it had these big, thick windows you couldn't see through. These really thick, leaded windows. And I thought, what do they do in there? And what do they get up to? It must be a bit strange if they don't let you see what they do. And then I walked around the corner, um, just not far, literally the next street and along and then down a little bit, because we don't have blocks like you do here. Our streets run all over the place. We didn't have designers that thought about sensible things like blocks. They just go everywhere. And there was a Baptist church. I didn't know it was a Baptist I didn't know what a Baptist church was, but it, I now know it was a Baptist church. And I went to looked in that, and there was no one in there. I just went on a day in the week just to see what was going on. And uh, the Baptist church had big windows in it. You could see through. So I thought, Oh, I can see what they do in there. It can't be that weird. I'll go there. So I became a Baptist. <laughs> because you could see through the windows. Um, now, I'll be honest with you. I'm not really a Baptist. I'm a follower of Jesus. I want to say that up front. I don't even think Jesus knows what Baptists are or Methodists or anything. I think Jesus just knows our heart, really. I don't think he's particular. I don't think Jesus sits up and oh, there's a Baptist down there. I think he just looks at our heart, don't you? Now, I'm not saying anything wrong, I'm quite happy to be one, but I'm just saying it's not, it doesn't define me. What defines me and what defines you is not Baptist or anything. What defines us is Jesus, isn't it? And I started going to this church. Um, it, was a, it, was a little, it was a little church. It wasn't big like this one. It, most of the seats were empty most of the time. Um, and I went there, started going there. One helpful thing was on their notice board, they told you what time they started and what day it was. So that helped me because I didn't know. Um, so I went there, and it always started at 11 o'clock, and it always finished at 12 o'clock on the dot. Otherwise, people started tapping their watches because it was time to go. Not to eat like you do, because in England, we don't go to eat in restaurants after church on Sunday. We go home and eat in our houses. So it's not like we've got to get there before the Methodists. We can just go home and eat. Um, but but, but um, as, I, as I sat, this is what happened. I'm telling you this because it will get you into what I really want to say in a moment, which is just brief, but... I want you to hear, I guess, if, I, if I'm going to challenge you, which I am today, to reach people beyond the walls of the church, I want you to hear the story of somebody who was from beyond the walls of the church and what this whole experience of church feels like for people like that. Because when you've known it all your life, it's hard to imagine these things, isn't it, really? Um, and this is what it was like for me. I, I was at this church, and what I discovered was every week they did the same things that they did the week before. They used to meet, they'd sit in rows, we, they didn't have chairs, they had pews. They were really uncomfortable. Um, but they didn't matter because they didn't sit on them for long because they only stayed for an hour. Um, and, they used to, and they used to have a, a call to worship, then a hymn, then a prayer, then a hymn, then a prayer, then an offering, then a hymn, then a sermon, then a hymn, and then home. Every week. And it lasted an hour. The same thing. And I used to go there and go through all this. And, and I did something which God has forgiven me for. So I'm good on this. I stole a Bible. In fact, I didn't steal it, I just took it without permission. I know it is, you're right. <laughs> but, but though, you're right, but after three years, I gave it back. So it was like a long-term loan without permission. <laughs> uh, the only reason I took it is I didn't know where you got them from. I didn't know where to get a Bible, so I just took one. They had loads of them. Every seat had one, or every pew, they had like rows. A pew had like, these little shelves behind them. You know the old ones they used to have? And there were Bibles in it all the way along. So I just took one of those. And I read it. Um, have you ever read the Bible? Yeah, of course you have, yeah. Well, I started in the Old Testament, because it was at the beginning, and I read a few verses and got completely lost. 
The first, the first bit was all right. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All got all that. And then I got beyond that. I thought, what on earth is going on? I had no idea what was going on. Have you ever tried that? It's, it's not easy. And so I flicked it through, and I thought, oh, my goodness. What am I going to read now? And then I found a page called New Testament. I thought, oh, I'll give this one a go. See if it's any better than the old one. <laughs> and so I started reading the New Testament. I didn't even know what the New Testament was. I just started reading it. And, and, uh, and once I started reading it, I couldn't put it down. Um, because what I read just absolutely grabbed a hold of me because I was reading more and more and more about what Jesus was all about. This Jesus I'd met on the train, I was now really finding out about him. And this is what I found out about this Jesus as I read and read. I used to read the whole New Testament two and a half times a day when I first became a Christian. I just couldn't stop it. I just read it and read it and read it and read it and read it because it just got me, this truth. And what I read was this Jesus was this God person who was on the earth and what he did was he constantly went to where people were that were broken and lost and hopeless and he went to these people and he told them I've got some good news for you and he told them about God and how they could know God and their lives were changed and they were transformed and these broken people were put back together and these hopeless people were filled with hope and I thought that's what I want to do I want to live my life making this Jesus known to people and I used to go to church every Sunday and they would have their hymn and their prayer and their hymn and their prim and their offering and their hymn and everything else that they did I said that too fast didn't I their hymn and their prayer and their sermon and their hymn. They had all that. And I thought to myself, and I genuinely say this to you with concern, I thought to myself, what on earth has what we are doing in this church got to do with what Jesus did? Can I say that one more time? What on earth has what we are doing in this church got to do with what Jesus did? Nothing. That's what I felt. I might be wrong, but that's what I felt. We're doing this. Why are we doing it? Why are we doing this? What is it getting done that needs to get done? And I, I, I thought then that um, probably that was the only church in the world that was like that. I thought, well, perhaps I just, you know, picked a bad one, you know. <laughs> but I've traveled all over the world many, many, many times now. And this is what I see all around the world. There are church after church after church all around the world that just do what they do every Sunday but don't really know how that is connected with what it is that Jesus came to this earth to do. And that's what I want to talk about for the next few minutes. Is that okay? Or would you rather I went back to England now? There is a Burlington Baptist Church not far from where I live in England. I've preached there, so if you'd rather, I'll go back and preach there. <laughs> or I can stay here. I'm not here to condemn or to judge or to anything, just to share a heart that says, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, is it possible that God wants to say something to you today which could actually change everything? and help us to become people that really are about the things that Jesus is about. I, I desperately believe with all my heart, and this is why I lead this ministry called The Rooftop that's happening all around the world, I desperately believe with all my heart that we live at a time where there is a need for a great awakening. Years ago in your country, you had a great awakening. Jonathan Edwards, you might have heard of him, and, and Whitfield, and all those people. Years and years ago, there was a great awakening. It spread across the world, really. I think we need something even greater than that. Because when we look at the world in which we live today, you know when I say... In England, 94% of the people used to be in church, now it's just four. That's just numbers. Put the numbers on one side and just look at what that means in terms of people's lives. The messed up, broken lives that people are now living in my country and in your country. Because as people get further and further from God, they get further and further from truth and all that that means. And in your country, in your city, in your town, in your street, in your road where you live, there are people whose lives are completely and utterly messed up because they have no idea that God loves them. That's just the reality, isn't it? I bet you if I could get a microphone, we haven't got time, and put, uh, put a microphone in front of each one of you, you would talk about family members, friends, people in your places where you work and in your street. You would talk about people that you know whose lives are completely messed up because they don't know God. Would that be true? They're everywhere. We haven't got to go anywhere to find them. We haven't got to go on a mission trip anywhere else. Although you're still invited to London, but that's because what you learned, come back here. It's right in front of us. Where is the mission field that we need to go in? I'll tell you where it is. It's as you step out of the front door of your house. And that's what I want to talk about for just a little while. Are you still with me? What time do you, what time do you finish? When I'm done. I'm not done yet, so you've got to stick around for a little. You, if you've got a Bible, you could... Open your Bible to the book of Acts in chapter 10.
As I said, the ministry that I lead is called The Rooftop, and this story is all about a rooftop. Um, I'm going to just spend a few minutes on this. I won't be long, I promise you. But Acts chapter 10 and verse 9, it's about an incredibly significant event that takes place in the Bible. And And I pray that in these next few minutes that an incredibly significant event might take place here in Burlington Baptist Church. Am I allowed to believe that could happen? That God may do something in us similar to what he did in Peter, who's in this story. Let me just tell you something before we read this. In Acts chapter 10, um, before Acts chapter 10, there's Acts chapter 9. You know, I went to seminary. I know these things, all right? And before Acts chapter 9, there's Acts chapter... Thank you. And then before that, and don't rush it now, we're enjoying this. <laughs> Six, five, four, three, two, one. Let me tell you something. In Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9, the gospel of Jesus Christ has only been preached to Jews. People that have been brought up in faith. People, if you like, inside the walls. And in all of the gospels, it's really only preached to Jews. When we get to Acts chapter 10, the whole thing's going to change. The walls are going to get broken down. It's going to go and spread out across the world. And there's going to be a global movement which changes the whole world. And that begins in Acts chapter 10. Everything before builds up to it. Did you know that? Of course you did. You're biblical scholars, aren't you? You knew it. But if you didn't, I thought I'd tell you. And then this is what happens in Acts chapter 10 and verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey... And approaching the city, Peter, and this is the same Peter that followed Jesus. You know a lot about him, crazy things he said and did. Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. I love the way the Bible just puts things so simply. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. This is the inspired word of God, but isn't it nice and simple? He became hungry and wanted something to eat. I just love that. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Or as you people say, trance but it's really a trance because, you know, when people say, how do y'all say it? I just say correctly because, you know, English is, it's my language. I'm just kidding with you. So whether you want trance or trance, I don't mind either one. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheep being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told Peter, get up, kill and eat Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Let me just hit the with that again. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the man, men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to them, and I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we've come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to this house, to his house, so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. As I said, this, this scripture in God's word, so this is here for a reason, it's important. God wants it forever to be in his infallible word, this, this, this stuff. And what's happening here is the gospel is going to break out from just being for those people that we call the Jews, and it's going to become something for the whole world. So if you like, it's not just for people brought up in church. Can I put it that way? It's got to break out of that. Something's got to happen. And, And what happened as a result of Acts chapter 10 was, after Acts chapter 10 is Acts chapter 11. I thought you were going to, you, you lost me now, come on, keep with me. 11, all right? You stay with me. I need you. I need you. Thank you. And in Acts chapter 11, what happens is the gospel begins to go even further to reach more people that are beyond 
people that are outside, and then 12 and 13, and on and on it goes, until it actually reaches, eventually not in the Bible, but after the Bible, it reaches us. Because we're all the Gentiles. We're the ones that were outside. And what has to happen, and this is the key thing, what has to happen for the gospel to break out of the walls and go beyond the walls and reach the people outside is that the people behind the walls needed to have a transformation. Peter needed a transformation. And he goes to a roof. And on that roof, he has a vision. And in that vision, he sees all these animals in a sheet. And these are animals that Jews don't eat because they think they're unclean. And God says to him, don't call dirty what I have made clean. Don't look at what you call dirty and call it dirty anymore because I'm telling you it's clean. And what the reason God is doing that is not because God wants him to start eating pork necessarily, <laughs> but because he wants him to realize that these Gentiles, these people outside, we should not look down our nose at those people and see them as inferior to us. We should recognize that God loves them just as much as God loves us. That, that's the key. That's what this whole thing is all about. And it's really important that we begin to see that because I think the challenge is, if we're honest about it, for many of us, the way we view church is we view church as a place where the good people go. You know? Uh, it's all, that, you have to be good to go to church. And if you're not good, you stay out. I, um, uh, one of the things I love to do is I like to go to the gym. Uh, in fact, I go to the gym back in England for two reasons. One, because I like working out. And two, I always used to, when I was younger, I used to work out a lot. I used to be, when I was younger, now I'm... But, you know, as you get older, you lose a little bit. But I'm still not doing bad. Uh, but I like working out. The other reason I like to go is, for me, it's a, it's a mission field. Um, I meet people there all the time that know nothing about Jesus at all. In fact, all the, I'm the only Christian that goes to my gym. I know that because I've spoken to every person that goes there apart from me. And not one of them is a Christian. Just me. Um, and, and, and one of the guys, I'll tell you this because this, this, this brings into one person what I'm saying here. This guy was with one time when I was at the gym. Um, young man, much, much younger than me. Really big guy, you know, really fit, and he, he loves his body, and all the girls love him, that kind of guy. And we were working out one time, and he asked me if I'd spot him. That means support the weight he's going to lift. Um, so I said, yeah, of course I will. And uh, this is how I start talking about Jesus. I just say, yeah, when people ask me to spot them, I don't have to get any, nothing more than that. And, and so I spotted him, and, he, and then he stood up after I spotted him, and he was wearing this vest thing, so you could kind of see his, all his arms and most of his back and stuff, and he, and he had this huge angel tattoo right across his back. Massive, this big angel thing. And he went right across his back and right down his arms. And the cool thing was, it was really good, he's got such a great back because he works out so much. When, when, he, when, when he turns around, and when he does that with his arms, it looks like this angel's flying. It's really cool. Um, and I said to him, I said, that's a, I said, that's a great tattoo. I said, why have you got a tattoo of an angel on your back? And uh, he said this. I didn't expect what he was going to say. Now, he didn't know I was a Christian or anything. He knew nothing about me. We'd never met before. We are just talking. So I said, why have you got a tattoo of an angel on your back? And he said, because I love God. And I said, oh, interesting. You love God? He said, yeah. I said, are you religious? He said, no. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. I said, but so why do you love God? And I can't tell you exactly what he said, because he used words that probably we don't use, at least out loud. Um, and the, basically what he said was, I love God, he said, because this world is so messed up and it's so terrible that if I didn't believe there was a God taking care of me, I wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. That's effectively what he said. And there's this young, big, aggressive, strong guy admitting, actually, that he finds life difficult. But God helps him, is how he put it. So I said, okay, so you, you, I said, you wear that tattoo, you love God? He said, yeah, I really love God. And I said to him, I said, uh, I said, um, why, why the tattoo? And he said, well, he said, he said, I only put tattoos on my bodies of things that really, really matter to me. He said, so I wear this tattoo because God really, really matters to me. He, remember, he didn't know I was a Christian. So I said to him, I said, okay, I said, do you go to church? And he went, no. <laughs> so it was even bigger no than the other no. So no. I said, why, why not? He said, and this is what he said, and this is the tragedy. This is the tragedy. Why don't you go to church? And this is what he said. And he said, I'll, I'll give you it in his accent, because this is how he talks. He said, because I ain't good enough. You ain't good enough. So I said to him, do you have to be good to go to church? <laughs> he said, oh, yeah. He said, all the people there, he said, wouldn't, wouldn't have any time for someone like me. So I said, why not? He said, well, he said, me and my girlfriend, we've got a baby coming. He said, we're not married. He said, people in church don't want to know people like us. I said, really? Is that true? He said, oh, yeah. He said, everyone knows that. I said, is it? 
He didn't know I was a Christian <laughs> or anything. And, and I, I just ask you the question to think about, is he right or is he wrong? He's wrong, isn't he? But here's the thing. He's not completely wrong. Because unfortunately, there are many churches that think that way. Isn't he right and wrong? You with me? That's the tragedy. Somehow, somehow, although we sing about grace and we love God's grace and we think it saved us and we're glad that it is, we forget that that grace means that this kingdom is for all people that will come. It doesn't matter who they are, whatever they've done. Are you with me? I remember speaking in a church once in the United States, quite a large church, and um, before, I, before I got up to speak, they had this worship team, uh, and they were singing a song, which we often sing in England, but they were singing, I've not heard it often here, but they were singing it here. It's a song called um, Jesus, Friend of Sinners. And uh, the, the, the song, I should let you sing it, because you can sing much better than me. But it, it goes like this. His name is Jesus. Jang, jang. There's a jing, jing in it, because every good song needs a jang, jang. His name is Jesus, jang, jang, friend of sinners, jing, jing. Because you have a jang, jang and a jing, jing, and you've really got a song going, going well there. His name is Jesus, jang, jang, friend of sinners, jing, jing. And then the last bit, which I can't sing well, goes, friend of mine. You kind of, mine, one of those, you know, where you're glad there's a worship singer singing it correctly, so you can follow him. His name is Jesus, jang, jang, friend of sinners, jing, jing, friend of mine. That's how it goes. And as I got up to speak, I could still hear this song echoing in my ears as I'm up there. And, and as I got up there, I, I said to the people in this big, it was a racked, one of these churches that's got seats that go up and up and up. I said, you know, who, who is glad to know that Jesus is their friend here this morning? And they were very reserved, Baptists. So there was a kind of, mm, mm. I said, no, come on, let's, you know, I said, just shake it out. Who's, who is really glad that, that, that Jesus is their friend this morning? Yes, I'm really glad they ended up saying, you know. I said, Jesus is your friend. I said, I said, you know something, going past this building where we are, this building we call a church right now, I can see them. I could, and I could then, I can't now so much, but I could see cars going by and stuff. And I said, there's always people going by. And probably a lot of those people are living lives that, you know, they're not what God wants people to be living their life like. Um, they're sinners. They're not coming here. And this song says, Jesus is friend of sinners. So Jesus is your friend. And Jesus is their friend. So shouldn't you become their friend too? Mm. And here's the thing. This is why I, I, I'm looking at this passage and I, this whole thing. Let me just put this out there for you to think about. And I make no judgment at all. I just ask you to think about it yourself. And it's this. When you look at people who live lives that are not how God wants them to be, do you find that yourself being passionate that they could come to know Jesus? Or do you find yourself being glad that you're not like them and want to stay away from them in case they somehow impact you? Are you with me? And here's the thing, friends. It, these people who are lost, these people who are outside the walls of the church, they are living like lost people live because they are lost people. But the good news is they can be changed. But the challenge is, do we want that to happen enough to actually take the gospel to them? Or would we rather say, I'm just glad I'm not like them? Peter went through that encounter, and because of what happened to him, he went beyond the walls of the church. He went to the house of Cornelius, and he preached the gospel. And in a Gentile's house, the gospel was so powerful, the Holy Spirit fell, and these people were changed forever. Because I tell you something, do you believe this? God can do miracles. Do you believe that? I mean, I know you believe it, but do you actually believe it? You know, that God can do miracles. That God can change the lives of people whose lives are so messed up and don't deserve to be changed. But because he is God, God can change those lives. Let me ask you the question, do you believe that? Because if you do, then anything is possible. Everything is possible. Let me ask you again, but in another way. Do you believe that God can do that through you? Through you. Why would God choose you? Why would God choose me? Why would God choose any of us? Is it because we're perfect? No, it's because he is. Is it because we're powerful? No, it's because he is. Here's the thing. We cannot do this, but God can do it. All he asks us to be is willing and obedient so that in us and through us, he can do it. Here's my challenge to you. Do you want that to happen? Really want that to happen? Not for the sake of Burlington Baptist Church. Not so we can fill up these few empty seats there are around and say we're a bigger church than the one down the street. None of that stuff. But because 
There is good news that Jesus came to save the world. We know that news and we can share it. And people can be saved, not just in this life, but friends, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And we know it. And if we will just let God do something in us that transforms us and helps us to see people like Jesus sees them, these lost people as people that need to know this gospel, they could be changed forever. And that's what the gospel is all about. Do you believe that? Yes, you do. But are you willing for God to do something in your heart this morning that would mean that you'd move towards it and let it so transform you that like Peter was transformed and went and did it, you would be transformed and go and do it too. Please, would you stand up? I said I was going to give you an opportunity to respond this morning, and I am. Uh, I'm going to just lead us in a brief prayer, and then I'll explain how I'd like to ask every one of you this morning to respond. This isn't just an invitation for somebody to become a Christian, although you can do that this morning, but it's for all of us, however long we've been Christians, to, to respond. I'll explain it, but let's just pray for a moment. I'll pray as if I'm you talking to God. God, thank you for your immense, unfathomable love for me. I can't describe it, I can't explain it, but I thank you for it. And as I stand here, and thank you for your love, I ask you to do something in me this morning. God, give me a heart for people who are lost. People who I know, people in my family, people in my street, people where I work. Lord, forgive me that so often I just stay away from those people. I don't see them as you see them. Please do something in me. Touch my heart this morning. Give me a fresh vision of your passion for people who are beyond the walls. As I've prayed that prayer and you've prayed it with me, here's what I'd like to ask you to do. And I invite all of you to do this and you can start doing it straight away. Don't wait. I want you to imagine this area at the front of the church here, this platform. I'd like you to imagine it's a rooftop. Peter went and stood on a roof and he had a vision. I'd like you to imagine this is a rooftop up here or down the front here. It doesn't matter. Just somewhere around here. I'd like to ask you and just start coming straight away just to come on this rooftop. Just come, come and stand on that rooftop. And when you get here, don't look this way, but turn out and look out, okay? And look out beyond the walls that we built. Look out beyond those. And think about where you live. Think about people that you know. And ask God as you stand here to touch your heart and give you a vision of those people and help you to see them as he sees them. So if you prayed that prayer, which I just prayed, which I know many of you did because I could see you praying it. Just now, just leave where you're standing. Just come, please, and stand up here. I'm going to move this out of the way. Just come stand up on, come, come right up onto the platform, please. And when you get up here, just turn around. Just, yeah, just keep coming. You can come down from up there if you want to. Or if you, do, if you can't get down from up there, just where you are, just turn around and look the other way. Look outwards rather than looking this way. Look outwards. There's no pressure for anybody to do this, but I invite still, if you haven't done it yet, if you're still thinking, should I? Yes, please just come. Come and stand down here. And when you get here, like many of you have, and you're looking out, just just think about, just look beyond, imagine these walls are not here. Look beyond them. And in your mind, in your heart, look with your mind and your heart, not with your eyes, and think about people that live where you live. People that are in your life in some way who don't know God. And as you stand here, pray, And ask God to give you a vision of how he sees those people. And ask him to help you to see them as he sees them.
and to look at them with the love that he has for them. So just now, just as we stand here, just take a little bit of time to do that. Would you? Just do that. And if you're out there and you can't get up here, just do it from where you are, from where you're standing. Jesus, we stand here this morning and we look and each of us as we stand here, we see people, real people, people with names, people with lives, people that you know and we know. And the prayer of each of us standing here as we look is God, please help me to see what you see when you look at these people. Forgive me that I so quickly make judgments. I so quickly allow my own thoughts and preferences to to affect what I see. But my deep, earnest prayer this morning is that you will help me to push those things to one side see what you see when you look at those people. Please God, do something in my heart that will change me so that through me you can change them. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. But I'm trusting you that as I'm obedient to you this morning, as I'm willing to to do what you ask as I go I will know the truth of your word that says that you will go with me please hear this prayer that I pray and may it make an eternal difference not just to me but to those people that I now see as I look with my heart and with my mind in Jesus name Thank you so much for responding this way. Would you go back and sit down? The chorus is the easiest if you know it, so...